UNHR Department of One trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottel, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Hey everyone, it is Brenda and welcome to the episode. Um, Back in the studio, off the road, been doing some traveling lately, meeting with clients, running around a little bit on the planet and uh, it feels real good to be back into some firmly planted familiarity <laughs> back in the studio uh, got the dogs with me today got Lola the veteran comfort dog who's hanging around um, also Champ is laying around here somewhere snoring away and um, he is the lovable wonder dog and it just feels good to be back now if you've joined us in the past and you've come back for some more thank you so much I really I, it thrills me to see the number of listeners continue to increase you guys are coming back you're getting hopefully some really good information and that's the main goal of this podcast is to be able to provide you some real world stuff that's happening today topics of conversation that aren't dull and overreported and overwritten some <clears throat> certainly stuff that's uh, underreported as well so um so thank you and if this is your first time joining us look super excited to have you guys here um, hopefully you're going to get again walk away with some really good information and um, today we've got a real special guest that I'm very excited to announce uh, but before we do that um, just so you guys understand the the kind of the flow of the show here we're going to be talking about some employment law uh, changes across the nation um, in one of the prior episodes that we spoke of um, we talked about you know what's happening mid-year and a lot of new things tend to take place in mid-year states and the general assemblies have been working to create new laws and put those into effects and typically around July is when we really start seeing uh, some forward motion on that so we've got some some pretty hefty announcements to make today <clears throat> um, Jim is back uh, Jim is awesome uh, for those of you who haven't heard any of uh, the interviews that he's done before, uh, we're going to introduce U.S. Navy SEAL Jim Foreman to you. Um, he's a friend of mine. I've known him for quite a while now. He's a phenomenal human being, and uh, we're definitely going to get you some listening time with him. Um, another really great, great discussion with him. And today we're going to talk about, you know, why didn't you tell him and the importance of feedback. We're also going to share some uh, a Q&A with you guys, and then also at the end of the show, we're going to tell you how you can go ahead and continue to follow me and uh, some of the other things that we've got going on as well. So before we get started, I um, just want to make sure that you folks kind of understand here that the information that is available in the podcast really is just for informational purposes only and cannot be for the purpose of providing legal advice. Unfortunately, I'm not an attorney. I don't play one on TV either. But, um, you know, if you are having some problems, definitely should contact your attorney to obtain any legal advice with respect to a specific issue. And if you don't have one, please let me know. Okay, reach out. Um, I may be able to refer one to you through our affiliates program. We've got a fantastic relationship with uh, Jackson Lewis and... um, 
phenomenal firm. Uh, I've been working with them for a number of years and honestly you really couldn't be in better hands. Okay, so let's go ahead and jump into this. So headlines and changes across the nation. So folks, those of you who are in Nevada, um, again, we had, a, we had a podcast episode on this. It, believe it or not, it has now become the highest listened to podcast yet to date, especially in the short amount of time that it's been out. And we did an episode on um, the changes of, uh, of laws surrounding uh, marijuana usage. Well, Nevada, <clears throat> Nevada, Nevada, Nevada is now made some changes. So Nevada applicants and new employees with positive marijuana test results will actually start to receive legal protection. So <clears throat> for those of you who are out there, make sure that you're staying on top of that. And I promise you folks, it is not going to change. It is, it, well, it's not going to stay the same, really you're going to see vast changes across the nation. We're already starting to see it and the approach on uh, marijuana and uh, different types of legal protections that are out there. So stay tuned. Over in New York, looks like we're going to see some substantial changes that are going to be coming out for state unemployment discrimination protection. It's specific to the state. So make sure that you guys are staying on top of that. Um, that's going to be pretty significant <clears throat> and it looks like they're going to be going deep um, from everything that I can tell so far it's really kind of playing around the realm of uh, in harassment specifically but that doesn't mean that there hasn't been anything else that's been announced um, over in Connecticut Connecticut has uh, decided to raise their minimum wage another state that's actually uh, jumped on that and by 2023 it looks like their goal is to be at $15 an hour um, over in Maine which we don't hear too much about uh, there is a new main law that actually requires time off for work for appointments at the VA medical facility. So congratulations to Maine. Uh, good on you for taking care of our veterans over there. Up in Minnesota, we talked about wage theft and um, you're going to want to pay specific attention to new notices, any type of disclosure, and record keeping requirements. So I kind of had a little bit of an update on that one. Um, I'm not going to get too much in the weeds on it. I just want to make sure that for those of you who are listening who are up there, you guys are paying attention to those th three things because that now is actually part of what is going on when it comes to um, working for uh, for uh, Minnesota and make sure that your employees are not stealing time. Over in New Jersey as well as Connecticut looks like there is a minimum wage hike that's actually going to take effect July 1st so by the time this comes out it has already taken effect so if you're in New Jersey and you're not aware that the minimum wage uh, rate has increased then you guys are definitely going to want to make sure that you verify that make corrections and adjustments as you go. Over in Oregon uh, there's a new Workplace Fairness Act which limits the use of non-disclosure agreements written uh, and requires written anti-harassment policy and actually extends the time for filing those claims. So if you guys are over in Oregon uh, you certainly kind of have your plate full over there so definitely make sure that you take time to look into that. Uh, Colorado has um, enacted the ban the box legislation which means that and the state of Colorado ban the box simply means that you can no longer ask an applicant if they have uh, been convicted of a crime. Um, and it depends specifically on what the state determines, whether you can ask for misdemeanor or felonies. Typically, it's felonies. Um, but for those of you who are in Colorado, make sure that you're on top of that because that actually takes effect in September 2019. Um, also, in New York, 
there is some changes to the pay equity laws that are forthcoming. I don't have too much information on that and as far as when those are going to take place, <clears throat> but you're going to want to put that on your radar as well. And then there's, this is really more at the federal level versus the state level on this one, but it, so we had briefly talked about it oh, a while ago, and um, what we had, what there was a case that was out there in regards to whether or not obesity, extreme obesity, could be deemed <clears throat> um, as a disability under ADA coverage. And the Federal Court of Appeals actually says extreme obesity in and of itself is not enough for American with Disabilities Act coverage. So if, you, if any of you guys are out there uh, dealing with something like that, then I highly recommend, you know, reach out to your employment attorney. You can always reach out to me. I'll give you some information on how you can contact me at the end of the podcast to learn a little bit more about that, and we'll definitely dig into the weeds deeper on that in a one-on-one level. But um, obesity um, by the Federal Court of Appeals has been deemed not to be a, enough to stand alone as a protected disability. Connecticut, back again to Connecticut, has also made ex- expansion or has expanded uh, harassment training and posting obligations for employers in that particular state. And then also last, lastly, I know we spoke about it briefly about another state, but New Mexico also joins um, the national sweeping change to ban the box as well. So you can no longer ask an employee or excuse me, a candidate um, if they have been convicted. So uh, definitely make sure that you guys are staying on top of those things because they're very important. If you miss it, it just opens the door and the goal really is to mitigate that kind of a risk. So if you guys have questions about that stuff, you don't have anybody that you can talk to, you know, at the end of the show, you're going to get some information again, how you can reach out to me place a call. You can jump on my schedule. Um, I do actually have on the website a, a place where you can actually schedule an appointment with me. I'm more than happy to book that kind of time with you and uh, answer your questions and walk and talk through those things. So Jim is back and I'm super excited for you guys to hear what he's got to say on today's segment. And uh, Jim is a friend. He's a business partner of mine. I met him a couple years ago when he was going through his transition program at the Honor Foundation and I was actually one of his coaches. And just super solid human being. And just absolutely have a tremendous amount of respect for him. Um, very smart. He has definitely seen his share uh, in his career and uh, it's exciting to see what he has going on as he's moving forward post-military. So um, really good guy. So Jim, give you a little bit of background. Jim recently re- uh, retired in 2018 after a 27-year naval career which provided him the honor of serving in the SEAL teams for over 20 years of which most of that was uh, serving as a tier one elite warrior. Uh, he has deployed 18 times to various countries supporting hundreds of missions globally. He's served as a squadron master chief an operations master chief for a 2,000 member command, and finally as the training master chief, which oversees the leadership and the training for the East Coast-based SEAL teams. Uh, Jim has exceptional skills in creating and leading elite teams and projects while seeing them through to their completion. In 2017, he wrote the SEAL SOB handbook, 
outlining the roles and responsibilities of junior and senior leaders as well as describing some basic procedures that should be common knowledge to all SEALs on both coasts. The book is now being issued to all graduating SEALs as they enter their SEAL teams after completing their qualifying training. So Jim works with executives and companies across the U.S. to help them improve on leadership and operational efficiencies within their workforce and if you would like to con connect with Jim visit his website at actionsonconsulting at actionson.net and uh, that's again actions on consulting his website is actionson.net and friends let's bring on Jim Jim is back again how are you I'm doing good thanks awesome it's spring it's here yeah finally I know right our cars are now covered in like lime lime green pollen. <laughs> it's yeah. wonderful. It's awesome. So today we're gonna we're gonna take another step. So we had this really great, awesome podcast <clears throat> a couple episodes ago with Jim back on, and we're talking about you know companies or people that make the statement that I don't have time to develop my people. Well, we're gonna take that a little bit deeper, and we're gonna talk more about. Why didn't you tell them that? <laughs> like you had an opportunity to say something, but you didn't, right? So we want to talk more about what leads a, a person to get to that position. So, and so kicking it off <clears throat> in our careers, I think we can both honestly say that we have met individuals or we've worked with individuals where that flight or fight kind of reaction kicks in where they're faced with providing some sort of feedback to somebody that would make a difference and then all of a sudden they just decide to freeze they don't they don't engage and they don't provide that feedback where have you so not again I know you can't talk about specifics but in general what have you seen in your career that is around that and what are the implications that come about when you run into individuals that don't do that um, so you know, just uh, in Garrison, which is back home, and we're running our uh, team like a business, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's for us. It works good that you are straightforward and you give feedback to people, and you get feedback from people. Because uh, a lot of uh, employees may not know that they're doing anything wrong, mm -hmm. um, and they may just keep doing it, you know, and so I think it's good for to get like you know quarterly uh, counselings, and they're not bad counselings. There's hey, this is where we are. This is what we're doing. You're doing a good job on this project. I need you to do more, and we're just wondering why you come in late every day for 20 minutes, you know. Mm -hmm. And there could be an answer, or there could be, hey, we need you to show up on time because now you're, we want you to be the in charge of this project. So we would like you to be here every morning at eight for our eight o'clock meeting. And just things like that helps people. Uh, sometimes it stings a little bit to get some feedback, mm -hmm. but it's always in the end, it's always better. And every time it stung with somebody that I've talked to. Uh, you know, a month later, two months later, even a year later, I always, I don't always, but sometimes I get feedback from them said, hey, thanks for letting me know about that. Uh, I didn't know I was doing that. And it helped me later. And same with me. I mean, like I be, had 
negative feedback. And I would never have changed because I didn't know I was doing anything that wasn't quite, uh, quite right. So uh, it's, it's good to get a straightforward feedback. That's mm -hmm. unemotional. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it's a missed opportunity. So there have been many times where I've seen, I've seen employers sit there and talk about how frustrated they are with a particular individual. They're not doing anything. And then what happens is that then they really start to get very critical of the individual and they really start kind of like ramming in on their, on their character and their nature. And, and then they start, my experience has been, I've seen people really get into digging into like the nitpicky stuff, you know, and it's like, can you believe what they were wearing? It's like, okay, but that, what does that really have to do with their job? <laughs> so there are those individuals that do that. And, and what they're doing is that they're just venting frustration because they don't, they haven't done what they needed to do in order to rectify the situation. And that could be a number of things. It could just be just giving that direct feedback. It could be you know, working with the individual, giving them opportunity, <clears throat> resetting expectations. So they go down this character assassination path. <laughs> and, and it could be, like I said, it rains from anything from, you know, how they make their decisions to what they do in their personal life. And, and then and it just really kind of gets ugly after that. Yeah. So in the worst case, I've seen it where it just develops clicks. Mm -hmm. And it's something like people are uh, negatively looking at somebody for something that they're doing. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and it becomes something that they all start talking about. And they may be junior people, but there's maybe some senior people or mid-level management there. And it almost seems like, hey, they're happy that it's not them that they're talking about. So they, they start talking, you know, they just start adding to the feel. Exactly. Uh, and then it when somebody just walks in on the conversation, hearing all these four or five, six people talking about this one person, uh, they're hearing these things, and they may not even be true. They're just mm -hmm. like, you know, assumptions, and oh, they're probably doing it because of this, and oh yeah, and this and that, <clears throat> and that creates a very bad work environment for everybody, uh, because then it's like kind of like, hey, are you going to join in on this, or are you going to stand up to it, or are you just going to not be a part of it, but any one of those trees is not the the best uh, because, and then hopefully somebody that's senior there uh, stops it right in its tracks. Mm -hmm. um, but if it doesn't, it could go up to the pretty high level people. And then that's how um, people get removed is they hear these stories and they act mm -hmm. and they think that it might be true. And it's inflated. It's the thing. It's in, they're acting on an inflated story, and and I love what you were talking about with the clickiness piece of it because that is exactly what happens. And what's worse is that when it's the higher up that is behaving like that, then that really starts to make a very toxic work environment. Correct. So I mean, the best thing to do is. Uh try to get that person in and hear their side of the story, see what's going on. Um, and then that, cause that person knows that, that they're being ostracized. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. They totally feel for it. For them to even come into work. It's almost like bullying, bullying, you know? So they're being bullied a little bit here and there and they're kind of on their own and they mm -hmm. can't, and if they see a mid-level or somebody that's a little bit senior to them, part of it, 
then it makes them hard to confront anybody with an issue. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So and what, it has, what really has to happen is somebody from the top needs to recognize what's going on and then, you know, get everybody in the, the room and just work it out and just say, hey, yeah, we're not going to do this. And we need somebody to, if this person does need help, let's give them some help. Right. But unfortunately, not the top doesn't always recognize it <clears throat> and or they don't participate in that. And in because and, and, this because I've seen this, and I've seen this a lot. And, you know, when you've got <clears throat> especially in small business, I mean, you only have so many layers. Right. So when you're when you're an owner of a company and you see somebody that's doing something that's unfavorable, but it's marginal and it's minor. You can give them an elbow nudge and say, hey, listen, you know, ease off on this person. But you haven't necessarily really addressed the heart of the behavior. Well, behind the scenes, that person now knows that, look, I got an elbow on the side. Okay, so I'm not going to make it visible, but I'm going to continue to do it quietly in another way. And then it grows and it festers. So, but that's a, but that's like a common pattern when it comes to failing to provide anybody with some form of feedback. So if it's developmental or opportunity, you know, opportunity involved if you're not or correctional type of feedback but if you're not doing it they're going to find an alternate way of of responding and reacting in that same manner simply because there's a win in it there's something that they're gaining as a result of that right i know i unfortunately i can tell you i actually was caught up in something like that years ago where we had uh, these two women just very open about it, and um, it was documented in emails, and I was I was the target of that. Well, the supervisor um, pulled them aside, and he says, "You know, you guys are getting way over the line on this." Well, then, in lieu of uh, in lieu of including him in on these emails, they just took him out. And the emails just kept coming, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. It's, oh, my God. That, yeah. So if you're not if you're not producing an, you know, any type of direction to move somebody forward, you're, you're, at the end of the day, you're only hurting yourself. That's right. I mean, eventually the senior uh, members are wise to what's going on. It may take yep. some time. But, yeah, so uh, it gets so toxic. toxic toxic that uh in one situation i had to actually remove the guy from the squadron and put him in a different location just because it was so toxic he couldn't actually move up anymore because his reputation had been shattered by just rumors wow and it was i mean there was some a little bit of truth to some of the things but it was nothing it was just like a good fit piece you know i moved him had somebody else look look him over Mm -hmm. They reported back, hey, he's doing great, man. So it was just uh, one of those things that, uh, uh, you know, it was just like uh, the click got a hold of it and spread it like a cancer. Mm -hmm. And that was it. And so, two, two years later, you know, the best thing for him was to move him out so he could make rank somewhere else. So here's a here's something for you to chew on and and spit out with an answer so we've said several times um that you know it's up to the upper level to identify the problem and address it well what are your thoughts when the upper level goes consistently either without seeing it or they see it but they're not they're not acknowledging it now we've got mid-level leadership that is really sucking wind and, and struggling 
with that element where they're not getting any type of support from above, but they still have to manage downward as well. Yeah, so I think um, it's the best way to, well, one of the ways to help prevent that is like the senior levels need to reach down a little bit, um, like once a year. You know, if there's like a counseling going on every quarter from the departments, the teams and, uh, you know, bigger uh, departments. Uh, I think the, and then the senior people just talk to the leaders, right? Eventually the senior leaders need to bring in the junior people just to hear it from them. Hey, so, you know, I'm the CEO, if you haven't met me, you know, and just want to see how things are going. This is why I hear about you. Things are looking good. What, how do you feel? You know, just to get from the top down to the bottom, skipping the mid-level management. Yeah. Well, and, 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 you, here's, can have, and you can have the you can have them in the room. Mm -hmm. It's just something because what we have is we have a senior chief or a master chief or a chief that is in charge of the bulk of the uh, the team, and that's their job is to report up. Hey, this person's having an issue at home, so. They're not going to come in for, to work for two weeks or, hey, this is what's going on here. Hey, this is what's going on there. <clears throat> but some companies don't have that luxury. They just have the top and then they have the bottom. So they don't have a, anybody to bridge the two. So let's look at the bridge. And the, and this is this is where I'm, I'm posing the question is, so you've got the bridge. <clears throat> you've got that middle level of management. And upper management is not willing to make those moves to provide effective communication or provide effective feedback and provide that kind of guidance and they're you know they're they're putting the middle in this position to where the middle still has to manage moving downward but they're not getting support from up above right that's not an easy place to be for anybody yeah correct so basically the middle has to do what they can and continue to inform the higher higher ups what's going on. Mm -hmm. At some point, I mean, you gotta lay it on the line and say, hey, this is not, you know, we, we gotta act on this because it's going to affect, you know, the bottom line, the company, uh, the culture. Because people leave companies, places that they see are, are not fixing problems. Yes. Or they're just listening to the squeaky wheels, letting these clicks happen. Because the clicks become the culture. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to, and they see that, okay, if I'm not part of the clique, then I'm not moving up. And I don't want to be a part of that clique because they just, you know, it's like a wolf pack. Yes, they, exactly. They, they, and they're vicious. They prey on the weak that they see as weak. Mm -hmm. And the weak is the individual that's doing their job sometimes mm -hmm. and making them look bad maybe. Mm -hmm. And, but they would usually that pack would never confront anybody on their own. They need the pack for strength. So that's the click that we, you know, really need to tackle and break up. So here's something that's a really great, I think this is a really awesome conversation. It's an awesome talking point. Breaking up a click is a hard thing to do, especially when you really don't have a full pulse on that click. And there's only so much mobility in an organization. So if let's say, for example, you got a company that has 50 employees and every organization has some form of little group to it. And we'll, you know, go ahead and keep calling it a click. They've, you know, they got everybody has a, like a little cluster of allies and they all get together and whatnot. But 
But how does a small business address, how do you address a click? I mean, how have you addressed a click in the past? I mean, remember, you're coming from an autocratic um, environment where that's not necessarily the case in business. I mean, there's a hierarchy, but at the same time, you know, when you set an expectation in the military, just in general, the expectations should be followed and there's ramifications for not doing that. Now, in theory, there should be the same thing, but the ramifications are very different over here because you're also dealing with individuals' will that they can just up and leave the company if they don't like how they're being treated. So how do, how do in your opinion, how do businesses and business leaders address clicks when there's only so much mobility to actually relocate somebody to a different area? Yeah, it's tough. First of all, you have to be aware of what's going on. And then it may take weeks or months to really figure out who is the individual that's leading it. And it probably is not the program manager or the department head. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's the people you're talking to. Like you're saying, hey, we got to stop these these things from going on. Uh, basically counterculture, right? Somebody is, we say to do something and then somebody's doing the opposite somewhere along the line. And it's coming right. from the department. And so when you talk to the department heads, they're on board with you. But they may not be the strongest personality. There's somebody in that department that may be, you know, five echelons down. Let's say there's 20 people and may be the, you know, number seven guy. And they're the one that is really ruling that department. Because mm-hmm. they got really good um, charisma and they're a leader in their own right. But they're also anti, you know, or counterculture and they're mm-hmm. their own thing. So it's tough, but once you figure that out, once you figure out how, who the individual is, then you need to bring them in, talk to them, and then give them something productive to do for the company, for the department. So they could, you know, because basically they want to lead and they're kind of like a maverick. And I don't know what it is, but they, you know, are anti leaders, you know, they're, you know, establishment. Uh, but once you figure them out, and you get them on board, and it's really what you're doing is mentoring them, and then you're giving them more responsibility. You want to give them responsibility within their department for the company, mm-hmm. and you t- you talk to them about how you know they could be possibly uh, moving up in the ranks. Not that you're giving them benefit over anybody else, but you have to recognize that this person maybe you don't want to fire this person because all you have to do is uh, figure this person out, and they could change culture right because the yeah. department is not doing their job they can't whether they it's not their fault they just cannot they don't have the personality to do it but this one person can that's five levels down from the department head so if you get them on board with you then you don't never have to check up on them again you know because yep. that person will be doing exactly what you want yeah and uh, i love the call out that you made it was so subtle but it's very important this is not an overnight instant solution you just can't tell somebody to stop doing something you i mean you can but you're not going to get you may get a you may get a result for a short period of time but you're not going to get it for the long haul which means that it goes back to you know our last conversation that jim and i had a couple weeks ago and that is you really have to spend time working with them so developing an individual isn't just necessarily developing a skill set it's also developing their behavior <clears throat> they're changing their undesired behavior into desired behavior it's how they're making an impact in the team and you know when you have individuals that you know are 
or the counterculture, you have to figure out how do you get them to buy into what you're selling. And it's all going to be based around the what's in it for me formula because there has to be a payoff for them somewhere. I, years ago, I used to have this guy. He was the most cantankerous individual on the planet. And he sold he sold units like you wouldn't believe. But he was just, I mean, he was sloven. <laughs> you know, he'd wear the company white polo shirts and he'd have like food stains just running down the front of it. And his hair was greasy and he just, you know, didn't take care of himself. And he was just like this kind of guy. And I looked at him one day after I asked him how his day was going and he just like blasted me for something. And I just looked at him. I said, you know. I said, there are some people in this world that believe that the glass is half empty, and then there's people that believe that the glass is half full, and he's just looking at me, and I said, you, on the other hand, you, the glass is all a conspiracy, and he just started laughing, and he goes, you know me so well, and I said, yes, now stop coming up here and complaining, and you know what, he never did it again, <laughs> it was the easiest fix in the world, but it was because I acknowledged who he was, and, and he finally felt like for the first time that he was understood. And, you know, I talked to his boss about it and I said, look, get to understand how he thinks. He's a different guy. He's he's not your average, you know, employee. You have to get into his head and figure out what makes him tick. And if you can't do that, then you're never going to get out of him what you need. And right now you need him to come in wearing a clean shirt. <laughs> That's right. You know, in the case of uh, for me, we when I identified the one person, you know, I talked to my Throughout talking to him, I found out that he was, like, really upset on our mission statement, you know. Mm. And he was right. It was, like, pretty cheesy. It was so general. It didn't really explain what we did and how we did it. And so I said, hey, man, write our mission statement, you know, and uh, let me see what you think. So, And he, like, totally went in 100%, wrote the mission statement. We looked at it. Send it up to uh, the CEO, and we all bought off on it, and it was uh, good to go. So that's we changed it. So he had buy-in to change, right? So mm -hmm. instead of complaining or being uh, anti-establishment, now he actually has buy-in to making a change. That was actually uh, right on the money. You know, our mission statement was pretty weak. Yeah. So <clears throat> realizing what the issue is, you know, and then having them pose a solution helped fix that one person, and then. They were bought into the command. You know, they're now part of the establishment, you know, because now they have to hold that mission statement against people that are naysayers now. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, awesome. Well, it's been great having you on again. I know you're you're running around the country right now like a madman. So <laughs> by the time this airs, you'll be back home and doing your normal thing. But um, I really appreciate you jumping on. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thank you. So as I've shared with you guys in the past that I spend time answering questions on Quora.com. I get a lot of questions that come in to me via email and through the website. And you can submit your question on the bestpractices.work website by clicking on the podcast link from the menu. And down towards the bottom of the podcast page is a submission form for you to go ahead and post your question, which I may wind up reading and uh, answering on an upcoming episode. And so today... Um, I actually did get a really good question, and it's a little bit of a brain teaser. Um, so I wanted to get an opportunity to kind of share this one with you. So the question is, if you found out that an employee of yours lied about going to college on his application, but was a really great employee, how would you handle this? 
Believe it or not, this is not an uncommon issue, but it usually is one that goes unnoticed, um, especially if a company is not doing a thorough background check. And a lot of organizations won't check uh, prior education unless it's a position that's, you know, like an instructing position or something like that where they really do need to go back and, and figure that out. But you know, on an, any well-constructed application, there should be a segment on there down at the bottom where the employee or the, excuse me, the candidate is actually acknowledging that if they are falsifying information, that it could be potentially a terminable offense. So, I, I have a little story <laughs> from years ago. Um, a friend of a friend actually uh, out in California used to do a lot of sound mixing and did sound mixing for various types of visual production, visual and audio production. And he got the job by totally flubbing his resume. The company did not do an application. They didn't verify and do a background check. So the guy said, yeah, I can do this for you. Well, he wound up digging in and researching everything he could about what it was he was supposed to do. And by the time he showed up to work, um, he had enough information, background information, that he could actually make it work. Now, to my understanding, he also spent a lot of time personally figuring this thing out as well. But the employer didn't know any better, and he's actually still very skilled and very talented at what he does. And from my understanding, he's actually quite successful. So so what do you do? I mean, it is. It's a, it's a conundrum. So um, if you're not checking, this is going to slide right underneath the radar. But if it does come up that the individual wasn't honest with you and is actually producing uh, really high level and high quality work, is not a problematic employee, you know what, I can't tell anybody what to do, but it's a judgment call. And, you know, as leaders, everybody has to have that moment where they look, you know, the man in the mirror moment where they're looking and they're saying, you know, where does the, where does the line of integrity stop and start? Um, from an HR perspective, Something like this is kind of small-ish, little bit, but it, you know, it, it does put you in a very compromising position because you're, you're actually proving a lie, and that's going to be really difficult for any, for a lot of people. And you know, to be honest with you, there are going to be people out there like, well, what's, what's the big deal? No harm, no foul. Well, my question to somebody with that would be, well, what else aren't they telling you? And this may very well be the only thing that they, you know, misrepresented on their past. It may very well be the only, you know, fib that they're providing to you and, and everything else is on straight and level. But the question will, will haunt you at some point in time is, you know, well, what else haven't, what are, what else aren't they telling me? And, you know, that's the reason why background checks are so important and doing something thorough, it matters. Because if this was a situation that somebody had lied about a particular skill set or experience and it had an impact on the job that was very significant, well now it's problematic. And I'll, and I'll give you an example. And I, I don't have the full story with me, and, um, but it's one that I will rattle very shortly. Um, it was something that I, it was actually something I read many years ago. But anyway, there was a, a sheriff that was up in Pennsylvania <clears throat> uh, that had indicated on his resume that he was, I think he said he was a Navy SEAL. And um, 
and it turned out that he actually wasn't. He didn't have any military service of any kind. Well, when it came to fruition like 18 years later, um, what, inevitably what happened is that will actually bring every arrest back that that individual made back into light. And it will actually allow uh, attorneys and judges to actually, you know, question the validity of the arrest, um, the validity of the conviction based on, you know, how everything got. So, you know, our judicial system has a process, and you know, for due process. And if, if any point of that is tainted, then, you know, it brings a case into a very gray area. So, granted, that's not what we're talking about here is this particular question but really the only thing I can say is that you know it comes down to integrity and if you permit integrity you know an individual operating with a lack of integrity regardless of how good they are then you're setting a precedence you're also kinda of cheating yourself as well if it's something to where you have a very stern heart-to-heart -heart and you sit down and say listen you need to come clean about everything. We've discovered this. What else aren't you telling us? And if that person has, you know, a reason for doing what they're doing and you can find, you know, some reasonable action to keep them so you're not losing really good talent, that's up to you. You know, like I said, I can't tell anybody what to do, but it is. It's going to be a real challenging, real challenging position. So, um, you know, it my recommendation is that if you do wind up finding something like that you know what you're welcome to contact me you're you know talk to your HR professional talk to your employment attorney you know have a conversation internally with your other leaders that are you know directly impacted by this and or would be affected by this or potentially affected by it and really have a very candid conversation and, and make a determination based off of what you guys learn but you know also make sure that you're doing your due diligence as well. So interesting questions. So like I said, if you have a question, please visit me on bestpractices.org. Go ahead and click on the podcast link from that menu down towards the bottom and submit your question today. So um, other really cool stuff, you're going to be seeing some more uh, fun things that are coming down the pike. So don't hesitate to follow me on social media. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at bestpracticesinhr. And then you can also find me on LinkedIn with my name, Brenda Neckvattel, B-R-E-N-D-A-N-E-C-K-V-A-T-A-L. And same, same, first name, last name, you will also be able to find me on Twitter as well. So that's just two words squashed into one, and you'll find me up on Twitter. So I really appreciate you guys coming back and listening time and time again. I'm super excited about what is coming next. Um, in the next episode, we're actually going to be talking about... Um, it was a, a question that was posed to me the other day, and um, I'm going to kind of leave that right there. But I can tell you that it's going to be based off of sexual harassment. In addition to that, um, there's also another podcast show that I encourage you to pay attention to. It's another show that I'm participant on, um, and we are also talking about an episode coming up about sex appeal and how it impacts the industry and it, it actually is a, a pretty cool conversation so that episode that show is called the PR lady and an HR lady walk into a bar um, I'm very privileged and very fortunate to work with uh, a wonderful business partner her name is Chira she's been on the show before 
and um, she's an award-winning PR specialist and we joined forces to create this uh, episode or excuse me this podcast series and it's just a ton of fun it's very candid um, it, it isn't explicit yet <laughs> but um, it gives us an opportunity to really kind of open up um, deeper into a lot of issues that impact business and and we like the fact that we can be it's brass I mean it's brashy you know it's it's we're gonna talk about some pretty unique conversations and topics and um, it, I wouldn't necessarily it's not a vulgar conversation by any means um, or any stretch of the imagination but these are real issues that are out there and um, you know it gives us a chance to you know just really kind of attack some some pretty hardcore stuff so I'm excited about that so stay tuned you can find us again actually we're on seven platforms there we're on 11 platforms here with best practices in HR um, and human resources the podcast series and then again a PR lady and an HR lady walk into a bar you can find us um, easy easy peasy over on Spotify and also on Apple podcasts and folks thank you so much again for joining me today I'm super thrilled Uh, that you guys come back time and time again and um, don't hesitate to send in your questions definitely want to hear from you and i will catch you all very very soon have a good one guys